Welcome to the very first episode of Instrumental, a podcast about music and the mind. This podcast dives into music psychology research while also giving you practical takeaways for applying it in your day-to-day life. I'm your host, Bria, and today we're asking the question, how does music influence our emotions and how we feel? Today we're going to learn six ways to potentially answer this question, so stick around. For our inaugural episode, we're talking about how music induces emotion or how music can stir up all these different feelings in us. It kind of seems like a given, maybe almost obvious, that music can impact how we feel. There's lots of poetic statements like, where words fail, music speaks, or music hath charms to soothe the savage beast. Or is it breast? I don't know. I saw different versions of that quotation. Either way, we take it for granted that music can stir up really strong, diverse feelings in us. So when we're at a sports game, it's no surprise that we hear really upbeat, uh, really fast music to induce a feeling of excitement and pride in the team so that we cheer all the louder. Or on the other hand, if we're trying to put a little baby to sleep, we might sing a lullaby so that those feelings of relaxation and safety are communicated through the music so that it can go to sleep sooner. Even with these two quick examples, it's easy to understand how quickly music can stir up really diverse feelings in us. And I had an experience with music inducing an emotional state in me, but to be honest, I would actually describe it as a musical hijacking of my emotions in a very public, unexpected way. This actually happened a few months ago. I had a free day, and I was in the middle of writing this paper, and I'm really good at procrastinating on my writing. So one way I motivate myself to get out of the house is to promise myself a coffee and a bakery treat and going out um, so that I can get that writing done. I had also recently moved to Portland from across the country for a teaching job, so in, in an attempt to get to know my new city, I went to a neighborhood up north so I could try this new coffee house. I sit down with my iced coffee and my scone. I settle in with my giant Bluetooth keyboard, my iPad, and then I hear this whistling come over the cafe's speaker. heard that music and my body immediately reacted. All of a sudden, I felt nostalgic and sad, and to be honest, I just could not focus anymore. And it's Portland, so of course it's raining, and all of a sudden I just feel really down like the weather outside. And I just spent 
the entire song sitting there, kind of ruminating with these feelings, and it took me a while to get back on track with my writing. To an outsider, it might seem a little odd that I had such a strong emotional reaction almost against my will to that music. How or why exactly was the music hijacking my feelings in that moment? There's a lot to unpack in my experience in the cafe, and we're definitely going to get there. But first, let's get into the research that might explain why this tidal wave of emotions took over me. Now, there's no one way that music can impact our emotions. There are lots of ways that we can attach emotional meaning to music. Two researchers, Patrick Jeslin and Daniel Vastfial, have outlined six general mechanisms to help explain how music induces certain feelings in us. So first, let's define that term, emotion induction. When an emotion is induced by music, it means that we're actually feeling that emotion in response to the music, rather than just being able to perceive or being able to label whatever feeling we think that the music or the composer was trying to convey. Music emotion induction is about experiencing that feeling on a deeper, more personal level, the same way that we experience emotions in our daily lives. We're going to break down Jeslyn and Vastfiel's awesome article and talk about how music operates in these six ways to impact how we feel. Here we go. The first musical emotion induction technique, or, or way, I guess, is called brainstem reflex. The sensory information that's entering your ear when you listen to music can affect your brainstem. So go ahead and take your hand, if you can, and touch on the back of your neck where your neck kind of ends and your, your head begins, more or less. That is about where your brainstem is. This is the part of your nervous system that connects your brain to your spinal cord, which in turn, the spinal cord is responsible for sending out movement instructions to your muscles. The brainstem is responsible for regulating your breathing and your heart rate, and when you hear loud, sudden, or fast sounds, these might make you feel restless or aroused or excited, because your brainstem is putting the rest of your body on alert. It's it's kind of like this evolutionary carryover alarm system. If we heard something loud come out of nowhere when before we had civilization, when we were cavemen, we might be in danger, and our surprised, excitable, emotional response is meant to help focus our attention to what's happening around us so we're paying attention to the environment and we can keep ourselves safe if we need to. Music that has those same qualities whether it's loud dynamics in the music or a really fast tempo or pace of the music, can, in the same way, wake up our brainstem and make us feel restless or scared. There's a piece by Haydn called The Surprise Symphony that was written with the brainstem in mind. Maybe maybe not that overtly, but it is called The Surprise Symphony. So the piece starts out predictably, nothing too fancy, And then all of a sudden, the orchestra plays a really loud chord to make the audience literally jump out of their chairs. Take a listen for yourself.
Musical emotion technique number two is called evaluative conditioning. Sometimes a piece of music gets paired with something non-musical. It could be a thing, a person, an event. And when the music and this thing happen at the same time, lots and lots of times, the music can take on the emotions we associate with the non-musical thing. An example of this conditioning might be the ice cream truck jingle you heard as a kid. Originally, when I heard this song, it meant that I was in for a treat, but only if I could rush into the house fast enough and get money from my mom before the truck turned around the corner. So I also get this feeling of like a mad dash panic when I hear this song or the emotions that I experienced when I was listening to the song in its original setting in my neighborhood. So maybe you're like me, and when you hear this song again... Um, It can make you feel happy or excited. And if we listen back to the same jingle, those same feelings of anticipation and happiness might come back, even if there's no ice cream truck outside your house. Our third musical emotion induction method is called emotional contagion. This is when you listen to music, pick up on its intended emotion, and then copy or mimic the music's mood with your own internal feelings. Researchers think this empathic response happens because elements of the music are directly activating the emotional regions of your brain. An example of music as an emotional contagion might be listening to sad music after a tough breakup to process that loss. Hearing the slow tempo and low pitches at the beginning of Adele's song, Someone Like You, can activate the emotional representations of sadness in your brain, leading you to feel sad too. that Settle down that you found a girl and you're married now. I heard that your dreams came true. Guess she gave you things I didn't give to you. Musical emotion induction method number four is called visual imagery. Sometimes when we listen to music, it inspires a mental image that can in turn affect how we feel. Visual imagery with music is thought to be this interaction between a listener's understanding of musical structures and similar structures in the physical world. For example, listening to Greek's morning song, some people hear the music's volume and texture build up just like a sunrise starts out small and grows into daylight. Perceiving the sunrise imagery might make you feel calm or peaceful or grumpy if you're not a morning person.
Our fifth musical emotion induction method is called episodic memory. Almost everyone's had the experience where they're listening to music and it immediately reminds them of a person or a place or a specific time in their lives. It's almost like the music is a time machine that brings back a lot of details about an important memory that we have that actually happened to us. When music brings up these memories, it also brings up the emotional baggage tied to those events. A great example of music cueing a memory might be hearing Pomp and Circumstance, a song that's played at every single graduation I've ever been to. So you might hear the song and feel the emotions of pride and accomplishment of the, t- the other times that you've heard this song, usually when you or a loved one was graduating from school. One of my very first memories with this song, on the other hand, was in middle school band, and I had to play this song dozens and dozens of times in a row, over and over and over, because we had a very large graduating class in my middle school. So this song for me is tainted with emotional memories of feeling bored and sitting in the band pit and of annoyance because we had a lot of graduating eighth graders. Same song, different memories that can lead to different emotional associations. Our sixth and final musical emotion induction method is called musical expectancy. When you're listening to music, your brain is constantly trying to predict where the music's going and what comes next. Music can either confirm or violate your expectations, and this can in turn change how you feel. So if you're listening to a chord progression in a song and um, you are thinking, okay, I think this is about the end of the chorus. It's going to end on what is the home chord, kind of the base of that song's key, and then the chord progression actually goes there. You're going to feel positive or satisfied because you accurately predicted where the music was going. On the other hand, though, if you... If the chord progression takes a turn that you were not expecting, you might feel a little aroused or surprised or maybe a little restless because you did not accurately predict where the music was going. Of course, these expectations depend a lot on what kind of musical culture you were brought up in. Let's listen to an example of music where your music expectations will be either confirmed or violated. Here's a clip of the song Do Re Mi from The Sound of Music. Listen as the song builds up to that final high note. So, a needle pulling thread, la, a note to follow so, tea, a drink with jam and bread, that will bring us back to... But what if I just stop the clip there? How do you feel? A little tense? Like you really just want the scale to just resolve on that high note already, right? Yeah, me too. Let's try that clip again. A needle pulling thread, la, a note to follow so, tea, a drink of jam and bread, that will bring us back to dough. A deer, a female Alright, congratulations, you've made it to the end of our list of six musical emotion induction methods. Again, to recap, those were brainstem reflex, evaluative conditioning, emotional contagion, visual imagery, episodic memory, and musical expectancy. 
Of course, a piece of music can draw on many of these methods or these mechanisms at the same time, but each of the six emotion induction uh, techniques or methods reflects the different ways that our brains translate auditory information into emotional responses. Just like our emotional responses can be really diverse and complex, the way that music can influence those emotions is similarly diverse. So, At the beginning of the podcast, I opened up with this story about me in a cafe and how this whistling tune hijacked my emotions and made me feel really sad and kind of bittersweet. Here it is one more time, and then we're going to break down why I think that song had such a profound impact on how I was feeling. that is the opening to a song called You're Gonna Live Forever in Me by John Mayer. And from what we just learned, why do you think that song brought up feelings of sadness and nostalgia for me? Well, we might say the tempo is slow, the harmonic progression sounds kind of sad, and there's this lonely whistling melody going on. So many people would probably agree that the music could have been acting as an emotional contagion. The music and the acoustic features of it were mimicking how we as Western listeners expect sad music to sound, so that might explain some of the sad feelings I was having. But that's more of a generalized response. I, on the other hand, had this especially strong reaction because the music was evoking emotions and experiences that I associated on an individual level with that song. So I did tell you during the story that I had gone through a lot of changes. I had literally moved across the country. I was starting a new job. But that previous year also included a few important people exiting my life. So to process that whole year of transition, I listened to this song a lot. So much, it became my number one listened to song on Spotify that year. So when that song came on unexpectedly, all that emotional baggage of nostalgia around those people, the bittersweetness of these changes, and the sadness that I had processed while listening to the song got dredged up. The music was reminding me of specific episodic memories, and I was imagining the people and these visual images of certain people and places that I had listened to and processed while listening to the song, and I listened to it so much, these feelings became conditioned to whenever I hear this song. My feelings make sense if you consider that all these musical mechanisms um, we're building this multi-layered meaning. So I, my emotions were being influenced on two or three of these different levels. And I would guess that you've had a similar experience where music really ramps up your emotions, whether in a positive or negative way. We take it for granted that music can stir up these really powerful emotions. And as a music therapist, one of the reasons I love my work so much is because my tool for therapeutic change, music, is so powerful in meeting my clients on a personal level that can help them make a positive change in their life. 
As a board-certified music therapist, knowing these six music induction methods can help me plan out and be strategic about what kind of music I bring into a session. If you've never heard of music therapy, that's okay. I get this question a lot. Let me give you a quick definition of what my job is all about. Music therapy is using music in any form for a clinical purpose. So I do singing sometimes, I'll do drumming with my clients or songwriting or improvisation. The The sky's the limit with music therapy. I got a good degree, actually two degrees. I have a bachelor's and a master's degree in music therapy. I had to do a six-month internship and then I sat for a board certification exam. A lot of my professional experience has been in memory care for older adults. So let's say I'm doing a small music therapy group with some adults with dementia, and our clinical goal is to increase a positive mood state. And increasing a positive mood isn't just about making my clients, air quotes, feel happy. Um, it's It can definitely increase someone's quality of life, but if I can induce an authentically positive mood in my clients that extends into the afternoon or even into the evening, hopefully that makes their care routines go smoother and makes their caregivers' jobs easier. For older adults living with dementia, there's a phenomenon called sundowning in which people with dementia might feel more agitated or restless in the evening, which can make their care more difficult. So again, we want to induce a positive mood that lasts over a few hours so that my clients have a higher quality of life and less sundowning. To achieve this goal, I might lead a song that's familiar to my clients and hit several of these music emotion induction methods. So I might lead a cover of Three Little Birds by Bob Marley. Um, I might choose the song because the lyrics are really evocative of positive imagery and the lyrics talk about sunshine and birds and nature. When I'm playing and singing the song on guitar, I'd probably play it with a fun, upbeat strum with a strong volume, so the acoustic elements of the music parallels how we feel when we're in a good mood, and the music might become an emotional contagion that spreads to my clients. And finally, I'd choose Three Little Birds because that song was probably popular when my clients were younger, so there's a good chance it might bring up some positive episodic memories from their youth. So all together with that shared experience of singing the song, maybe playing some percussion instruments, the group would hopefully be successful in experiencing that positive mood that carries over past the session once I leave. But even if you don't have your own music therapist on call, you can still use these techniques to your advantage to change your mood in a way that's strategic and helpful for you. So let's say that you've had a really long day at work, but you still have one more social commitment to go to that you just can't get out of, but you're feeling really sluggish, um, you're feeling really tired. You can use music with an upbeat tempo and maybe play at a little louder volume on your way over to the event to wake up your brainstem in a way to stay alert and energized, almost like you're musically pre-gaming through music to bring up your arousal level so that you can be more focused and more attentive during that event. Or sometimes you just need a really good cathartic cry, so you might choose music that you associate with feelings of sadness so that you can maybe get those tears flowing if they're not coming on their own. 
There's no right or wrong way to use music to induce a certain feeling, as long as it's helpful and a supportive strategy for you. Yay, our first episode is in the bag. That's super exciting. Instrumental is written and hosted by me, Bria Murakami. Our intro music was composed by Daniel Goldschmidt. If you want more information on the article that we reviewed today or any of the music clips, you can check out the show notes at our website, instrumentalpodcast.com. To get the latest news and updates, follow us on Twitter at, at @instrumentalpod, and please subscribe and share this podcast with other music, science, psychology enthusiasts such as yourself. New episodes are going to come out on Fridays. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.